Welcome to Small Business Big Impact. These are lessons from the trenches of running a business with a multiple bottom line. Purpose, people, planet, and profit. Get the inside scoop on what it takes to succeed at using business as a force for good. Jacinth is the founder of Cado & Co., a business financial literacy and fractional CFO service provider. She's also a serial business owner, was trained as an interior designer, and learned business finance the hard way over the last decade. Seeing the same pattern of money stress and shame in dozens of her clients has fueled her passion for financial literacy for small business owners, especially for women and creatives. Jacinth is also a longtime yogi and meditator. This, along with her personal and professional development efforts, has been part of her toolkit to stay present, minimize the emotional dips, and lean into the lessons on the entrepreneurial roller coaster as they inevitably come up. Listen in on what she's learned as she busts some of the six-figure myths. I remember first discovering that you existed from some marketing that you were doing in LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I, I need to know this woman. I think I need, I need to keep, pay attention to what she's doing. Um, and so I'm glad that we're, they were talking and I'm glad that you're also um, part of the SVI community because it's given me this opportunity for us to chat. And on top of that, when we talked previously, I was intrigued by this story that you had around the fact that you reached the six-figure level with your business, but that actually wasn't necessarily a, a good thing. Tell me about that. Well, it's not that it wasn't a good thing. It was like in this um, service-based type of world. So, you know, to give a little backstory to the listeners, I, you know, am an entrepreneur. I've been in uh, trying to do my own business stuff since 2009 um, and always started business ideas and, you know, was testing things and then worked at startups and all these different things. But I had no money smart personally at the time, like in my early, early days. And so made all the credit card mistakes, you know, backed up debt, paid thousands of dollars of interest, couldn't pay my rent twice in the course of six months, had to call my mom, like literally the night before. And so I didn't have any of this and thus also didn't have business financial knowledge. And um, at that time, when I first started, all the business coaches were like, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality, right? And so it wasn't until... Um, a few years ago, I co-founded just by happenstance. I had gotten laid off from the most recent startup I was working at, not my own startup, another startup. And I built their six-figure, you know, project budget, program budget, and was like, who's paying for this? So um, I essentially for- forecast my own layoff from that startup. <laughs> so unsurprisingly, I got laid off. But it just happened to be, you know, somewhat divine timing to be to be in the right place to um you know, my now co-founders of this financial services firm were launching a cloud bookkeeping cohort and I was figuring out what my next steps were. And so I was like, hey, maybe I'll try this out. And, you know, took a left turn into the accounting and finance world <laughs> when my degree is actually in interior design, interior architecture, but I've always been like a project management minded person. So very logistics minded. So, um, you know, like, and, and even still, like all the business coaches I see out there that are like, great, hey, service-based businesses, build a six-figure business, right? But they're never talking about profitability and they're never, they don't dive deep into the financial side, which again, everyone has to be in their niche. Um, and so learning how to actually, you know, we built this company, we built this financial services firm, my CFO, chief financial officer and accounting partners. 
And I actually saw how I was supposed to be building a financial model, quote unquote, which basically is on an Excel sheet, like showing what you sell, how much it costs you to sell it, and then um, how much you have left over, right? That's your profit and loss, essentially. Right. And then, but on top of that, it's putting that into practice. So sure, it's one thing to like build a, you know, Excel spreadsheet that shows, yeah, great, we're getting six figures. But it's another thing in a monthly basis or day-to-day basis to monitor what you're spending, monitor what's working in terms of what you're selling and monitor your profitability as well as your cash and like what cash you have in the bank. And so that was what I truly learned from building among so many other things, building that financial services firm with my, you know, financial, financially minded business partners, like how you're actually supposed to take this like mythical model and, and put it into practice as a budget and monitor and make decisions that are both profitable and result in cash flow. So combine that with, you know, yay, awesome. Last year, my business, Koto & Co, hit six figures, which is amazing. It's a great milestone. But yeah, yay. <laughs> yay, awesome. And I was also not profitable last year. And it's what for two reasons. Well, maybe more, maybe less, who knows. Um, one was my... I have two sides in my business, right? Over the past year and a bit, I've been working to build basically a financial literacy business for Canadian service-based business owners. And taking this knowledge I've now learned as an entrepreneur from all my accounting and finance people, (laughs) all the silly questions I asked um, to translate it for people, business owners at an earlier stage so that they make less of the mistakes ideally that I made, hopefully, and can have less stress around the money in their business as they're growing. Um, so, you know, that's awesome, but it is truly like I have two streams of business now. It's almost like they're two totally different businesses. And so my main business is being a contract CFO for service-based Canadian business owners. And if I just had that business, sure, hitting six figures, I would be completely profitable because it's me doing the work. It's very, you know, I have very little costs related to that side of the business, but I'm choosing to invest in building this more scalable kind of online financial education business. And so I'm taking the money from the one-to-one side and investing it in building systems and doing market research and testing on the core side of the business. And so that is what is I'm spending money on Whereas, you know, sure, I hit six figures, but I'm investing all this money on that side of the business, which hasn't returned revenue yet. Like it's returned maybe a couple thousand dollars. But, you know, so when I did my, well, I get my bookkeeper to do my financials every month. But when I looked at my own financial modeling, my own financial roadmap, I call it, um, and saw, you know, you always do a few scenarios, like the good, better, best, or, you know, good, bad, ugly. And um, yeah, I said I hit six figures, but my worst case cash flow scenario came to be because I worked on a program that I was launching for the education side. It flopped, quote unquote, like the launch was great, but it didn't return any revenue. And so my worst case cash flow scenario came to be, and my worst case profitability scenario came to be. And so then it was like, oh God, like yeah, great. that's hard. Yay, yay, I hit a six figures, but also shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the worst case scenario. So now I got to do some pivots and act fast, you know? Do you have the distance from it to be able to say like, oh, this is what I could have done differently? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For for about a week, I had a lot of like shame and embarrassment, just like every other business owner, and just like in my early days, because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm here teaching people about financial literacy, and I had a had a revenue flop, and I'm not profitable, and have to do lean on my worst case cash flow scenario. But I don't know, I had a moment of reframing where I was like, wait, but this is exactly what I'm teaching these tools for is so that you can project. And it's not that by having a cash flow plan and a financial roadmap and figuring out your, you know, what you're going to sell and your margins and if it's profitable, it's actually going to come to be. That's all just guesses on, on Excel cells, right? But because I have this plan in place, I was able to pivot really quickly and go to the things, the plans I'd already thought about by having this worst case scenario come to be. And so the biggest mistake I made, I think actually my only thing I would actually call a mistake is that I had stopped talking about my one-to-one services, which is essentially cash flowing, building this other side of the business, right? And so my sales pipeline for that business side of the business was totally dry. And, and I had to start talking about it again. It was one of those situations where like, don't give up your day job until your side exactly. gig uh, really kicks exactly. in. Exactly. And it's so funny because I've talked to so many entrepreneurs, you know, over the past however many years I've been an entrepreneur. And in those early days, I didn't listen to all the advice that was like, yeah, keep a, keep a day job or, you know, have a bridge job that pays your bills. And I was like, Meh, whatever. And just like went full in. I was also in my early 20s. So maybe, you know, I had less responsibilities. <laughs> But I've, I've come to realize, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've come to realize, and I think I realized this pretty early on after I stepped, you know, full, full-time back into Kodo and Co. Um, I've realized that it is my day job. Like my one-to-one side of my business is my nine-to-five. And it is what, yeah, is bringing in the money, making sure I can pay my bills and invest in this other side of the business. And yeah, I stopped, even though I have, like I have regular clients, et cetera, but because I'm spending money on, a marketing strategist and a VA and a copywriter to help me build the other side of the business, you know, I need to bring in more to make sure that I can maintain that and, you know, leverage my cash reserves and my business line of credit and not run out of money. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I stopped talking about the nine to five that stopped bringing in new clients that would grow that revenue still. And, uh, yeah, I had to do a pretty quick, <laughs> pretty quick pivot <laughs> late last year. Um, to open that pipeline up again and start start bringing in some more revenue from that side. Having that happen can be challenging, right? You know, and that can be a really hard place to be. What helped you make it through that and be able to bounce rather than scrape? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, a couple of things. One, I because I've been in business for so long and then especially now having the financial literacy, yeah, for a week I had kind of, like I said, the oh my gosh, I'm a failure and I'm, you know, training this stuff and I'm making mistakes, but then like I meditate every day. And so I am very good at reframing. Like I've done a lot of self-work. I've worked in a lot of leadership stuff. And so I, again, had that moment of like, but it's not always, you know, sunshine and rainbows when you're doing cash flow planning and financial roadmap planning. Like you also have to plan for the worst case scenarios. So I had that moment where I was like, oh, this is just that. Plus, I also, for some reason, was in my head going like, oh, yeah, like of all the businesses I've seen through that financial services firm, a lot of them are tech businesses and none of them are profitable, right? They're not profitable yet. They're raising money right. and getting government grants and whatever. So it's like on paper, they're not profitable. So 
I had this bit of a reframe and normalization of it because of having seen so many other businesses where it's like, sure, on paper, they're not profitable. So then the key thing becomes, how is that business continuing to run? Who it, And that becomes then the question of like, where is the money coming from to continue funding the development, right? Because right. true startups, like for the most part, aren't profitable. If you're a service-based business, you can be profitable from the beginning. It just depends on, you know, how much work you want to do compared to starting to delegate and making those plans and doing it ideally in a financially sound way. But when it's any other type of product-based business or a tech business, initially they are not profitable and somebody else is paying for the development. The customer's money coming in is not paying for the development. So I had that bit of a reframe and then I always have like a December planning call with my tax accountant and I was a bit nervous. I was like, oh man, like, you know, again, like I'm going to be judged and whatever. And I got on the call with him and explained, I'm like, oh, we're not, I'm not profitable this year and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, eh, you had a pivot year. That's totally normal. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's true. I, it is a pivot year. So that just made, you know, was like the cherry on top to be like, eh, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, absolutely. No, you were, you mentioned that. Okay. So you mentioned meditation is something that, that is, that's helpful. And like, I'm, I'm a meditator as well. So I'm so clear on how that gives you an, um, the ability to be able to separate yourself from your, your reactions eventually. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you're also talking about uh, being practiced at reframing. And is that something that a skill that you cultivated through something that you did? Oh man, I've been reframing for so long. I can't even remember how I learned it. Uh, like I've, so I've been doing yoga since grade nine <laughs> and, you know, so had some sort of mindfulness since then. Um, and then, you know, when I was in my early twenties, I took this business course, like, you know, from my interior design job, I got laid off in 2008 cause you know, recession then, and somehow found my way into this business, um, program that was run by, by the Ontario government at the time. Cause I was in Toronto living there at the time. And so that's where I like first learned, the first set of like business theory, wrote a business plan, press save, it was obsolete. So they talked a little bit about like the entrepreneur work-life balance, but nowhere near what is in the conversation these days. But, you know, soon after that, I, I moved back to Calgary, my hometown and started working at a yoga studio. And I worked there for two and a half years. So it was like every day I did yoga practically. And, you know, I think that was a huge personal transformation and probably where I started, yeah, just being able to be more aware and like in the present moment. And then, yeah, over the years, like I worked for a leadership development um, startup that taught design thinking to, you know, C-suite executives and how to go back and innovate within their businesses in a human-centered way. And it was a bit of a full circle moment because, that's what I did as an interior designer, design in a human-centered way. But nobody told me at the time it was design thinking, right? And now it's, right. it's like, you know, huge buzzword. And so, I, you know, just by being there and being part of the staff and the programming, I got to glean so many, like, insights from these, like, very high-level executive coaches, right? So I can't pinpoint any one time when it, you know, I learned about reframing and how it happened, but just, like, this slow journey over time where, you know, yeah, now I have a daily meditation practice and I, I notice the difference because in my early days of entrepreneurship, I, people have said like, you're so much more grounded, you know, as soon as I, I co-founded this financial services firm where I could see a path of growth and was building all these skills, people were like, your energy has changed. And so, yeah, over the past few years, it's like, it's again, like I am a human. And so I had that week, but I'm sure it would have been months 
of feeling down on myself if I hadn't had these tools already in, in my pocket. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many times, and I've talked to, talked to other people about this, you know, people have an experience that feels it can describe as failure and it hits, it's a gut punch. And then the question is like, how long does it take to get back up from that? Yeah. And also like I learned, so from the leadership development company, they're kind of, their unofficial motto was everything in beta mode. And if you're not for the listeners, if you're not aware of beta mode, it's generally used in tech, you know, businesses where they're trying out a specific version of their product yeah. and they're beta testing, right? Like it's, it's not yeah. the live. It's the first functional version. first draft kind of, exactly. that's actually functional. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of have adopted that, not kind of, I've adopted that in life in general, since working there five or six years ago. And that was a huge reframe of going like every presentation we do, every conversation we have, every trip we do, every thing we're doing in business, it's all a test. It's all beta mode. And so that has given me a lot of freedom around trying things and having that like startup mindset or that beginner's mindset. Um, and even on my business side, you know, often when we're talking, when I'm talking with my team, it's like, okay, well, we're testing this. We don't know what's going to happen, you know, instead of like, oh my God, we have to have this and get these goals and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, we don't know what the functional model is. We don't know what path is going to lead to revenue yet. So it is all a test, right? And so I think that gives a lot of freedom um, for, yeah, trying new things and trying to figure stuff out. It doesn't make it easier from a revenue, like a cash side of things when you're running out of cash. (laughs) That's still stressful because there's so much of the ingrained trauma of money, right? Like, I don't know if you've heard of that course called the trauma of money. Um, It's incredible. It's incredible. I took it a couple of years ago, but like um, where that week of feeling down on myself came was actually my past money trauma coming. It wasn't, you know, like logistically from a business perspective, like I was just saying, having seen hundreds of businesses that aren't profitable yet because they're tech startups and going to get raise money and get grants. Uh, I know that it's, you know, fine on paper if you don't look profitable, but I had a lot of trauma come up because it was like in my past iterations of my business, I'd always dug myself into credit card debt given up on my business and then had the debt to pay off. And that felt terrible, right? I'd never had my business grow to a size that it actually paid off the debt it had incurred. And so that was coming up like, I'm on this slippery slope and I don't want to be in that kind of debt again. And what's going to happen? And oh my gosh. And lots of fear. Exactly. Lots of fear around it. But I know logistically what to do to open up my sales pipeline again and bring in more revenue. And that's what I started doing, leaned into that, and then was able to get out of the fear and actually see some movement and bring in more revenue, right? And ideally have the business grow to pay off its own debt. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. then be able to then double down on the the learning of what you gain from that experience and then roll it into value and totally. share it with people. Yeah. 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 That's the goal. That's what keeps me going, you know? It's all this testing on the education side. It's not revenue generating really, but that is the, that's why does anybody start a business, right? It's for that vision and the passion and the mission and also wanting to create sustainable income for themselves. It was just, it sounds like you can consider it to be like bold R and D for for your project. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It's R and D research (laughs) and development for those who are not tech based. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, typically I'll ask folks, you know, if you're to, and this 
I'll ask folks this question. You know, if you were to go back and be able to whisper something really valuable and important in your ear at some critical time, what would that be? And I'm not so sure. Making face on. Yeah, I'm not so sure because I feel like. Uh, well, at least on the I've, surface, everything I've done. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> That's okay. On the surface, it sounds like, you know, because of the skills that you had developed early on, you're frequently going through a cycle of reflection and, 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 dis and maybe even some level of disconnection from the experience so that you can not be blindsided by your emotions, by, you know, the experience of the challenge. Yeah, it's, you know, I used to say like, oh, I wish I'd taken that advice of keeping some sort of job. You know, because I was, there were so many periods of just extreme stress. And because like, that's a, that's a survival thing. If you don't know where your money's coming from to pay your bills. Um, and so I would lean on the mantra of like, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, I'll be out on the street. Well, is that likely to happen? No, because I can go stay with family. I could go stay with friends. You know, like you, if you go to the worst case and think like, well, okay, that's not likely to happen so then what's you know work yourself backwards from that um but yeah what i tell people now is like have the thing that pays the bills because it'll save you so much stress so 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 much um but otherwise like i wouldn't be where i am now and have this like my special sauce for who i'm working with now is that i'm an entrepreneur who's learned the accounting and finance and i'm not an expert like there are definitely, you know, edges and if people want to raise money, if they're tech businesses, if they're product businesses, like I'm not the right fit for them. But my special sauce is being a translator now between the financial people in a business. So bookkeeper, tax accountant, management accountant, CFO, like there are so many, it's a, it's a vast world. And this is also why it's so complicated and hard for people to understand if they're not in that world. And so that is what I'm here to do to help like even with my one-to-one -one clients, I do a certain level of teaching and coaching and helping them up-level their financial literacy so that they don't just give away their power around the financial side of their business to someone like me um, or to somebody else who might not be as ethical because there's a lot of you know power around the money, right? And so that is now, like I can relate to so many of the challenges and things that, that entrepreneurs and business owners feel terrible about. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of business owners and people feel if they don't have the financial knowledge, if they don't understand what their bookkeeper is doing, if they, you know, have a tax accountant, but don't understand what they're saying either. If they're six years behind on filing their taxes, if their books are, they think their books are a mess it feels like they're undressing in front of someone who's trying to help them with their financial stuff. And that's a very vulnerable, vulnerable place for them to be. And I've talked and there's to a so lot many. of shame that comes up there. There's a ton of shame. And there's also, they've had, they've talked to a tax accountant or whatever, who, however, inadvertently probably has made them feel small and made them feel like they're doing it wrong and judged them or made them feel judged. Right. Whereas that financial person or tax accountant might just have been, doing what they think is their job, but haven't met them, met this specific type of of a business owner at their educational level, right? So they're generally talking past each other. <laughs> right. So yeah, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of, of business owners where, you know, they just feel a lot of shame and they feel 
messy and they feel like they're bearing their souls when I ask to look at their books. And then the first thing I go is do is, you know what, where you're at is totally normal. And every business to some degree has been in this place. And it's because, you know, the system isn't designed really well for people who didn't go to accounting school or business school to understand the theory of it. And so that's why we're here. We're going to start and we're going to get this, we're going to get this under control. And they just like, you know, take this deep sigh of relief that someone is going to be there to walk alongside them instead of someone who's above them being like, oh, why did you do that? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah shame, shame has, has no place in, in growth or, or success or thriving. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice to be able to let that go. Totally. Well, Jacinth, I really um, have enjoyed our time. I feel like it's been jam-packed with a lot of juicy bits. And I'm sure folks are probably um, feeling hope <laughs> as a result of, of what we've been talking about. And I'm glad for that. And I can tell, can I tell listeners about something that can help them um, with their business financials? Sure, go ahead. Um, we're, gonna, we're going to include some things in the, um, in the show okay, notes. Great. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have uh, several very approachable offerings. <laughs> uh, one of which I'll tell you about now is our DIY bookkeeping accountability membership. So if you are someone who is struggling to um, get a handle on, you know, the bookkeeping side of your business, you know, it's got to get done. Maybe around, you know, tax time, you're like, oh, gosh, I dread doing this then this is um, an offering for you of support, monthly support, very cost-effective. And I'll leave the link with Jalen for the, the show notes. That's amazing. Thanks, Jalen. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you've created a business that's a force for good and you'd like to share your story of challenge and success, go to questio.us slash podcast and click on the share my story button.